welcome to the ACOP Student Podcast, a production of the American College of Osteopathic Family Physicians. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the ACOFP podcast, do.fm. This podcast episode will focus on the different paths family medicine can take you down. My name is Shivani. I'm the vice chair of the public relations committee for the national student ACOFP team. And with me today, we have Nicole Green, one of our dedicated PR committee members. Hi, everybody. I'm Nicole. And today we are joined with Dr. Andrew Crow. Dr. Crow attended Lincoln Memorial University, the best college of osteopathic medicine in Tennessee. He graduated in 2017. He did his residency through Oklahoma State University Center for Health Sciences in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Currently, Dr. Crow works as an emergency room physician in Providence Medical Center in Kansas City, Kansas, and he also serves as a flight surgeon for the Army. With his background in emergency medicine and his military training, we will be discussing the different paths that family medicine and osteopathy can take you. So welcome, Dr. Crow. Our first question for you is, how did you decide on family medicine? Hey, y'all. Thanks for having me. Biggest thing to answer that's going to be flexibility. Kind of knew before going into med school, I wanted to become, do family medicine, do cradle to grave, see it all, do it all. Uh, Really liked emergency medicine right off the bat, but honestly loved every rotation I had. Clinic, really like hospital medicine and residency. And then my wife's in medicine too. So ultimately uh, kind of the flexibility to hold several jobs throughout my career. So ultimately flexibility is the biggest thing for me. What does a family medicine doctor do as a flight surgeon? So flight surgeons, pretty cool role. Uh, A lot of it is essentially primary care. And you think most of the soldiers I'm serving are young, healthy, don't really have any medical conditions. So a lot of it, sports medicine, preventative med, a lot of nutrition, a lot of MSK complaints, but there's a certain niche of doing occupational medicine, dealing with aviators who go into different altitudes. Also some austere medicine. We oversee medevac operations. So the medicine changes when you're at different elevations, you can only take certain things. So you all will learn there certain drugs can do the same thing at different amounts. So kind of being a master knowing which medicines to take, which medicines to use. Pretty cool. So did you have to join the military or what was your training like to become a flight surgeon? So it's very different depending on the branch. So I joined the Army. Most people, which you guys are aware, have people who joined Army, Navy, Air Force, and medical school. They end up graduating and attending a military residency. And then at that point, they can make that determination if they want to go to other schools like flight surgeon school or dive. In my case, like I mentioned, my wife, she did internal medicine and we couples matched. Uh, I did not do any kind of military obligation at med school and actually joined a residency in the reserve. So they gave me a stipend, helped pay for some of my school during residency. And then afterwards, I essentially got integrated into the army. So for my training specifically, it was a few weeks of just your basic officer leadership training 
followed by six weeks of the flight surgeon course, which that's where you really learn the nitty gritty of how to be a flight surgeon. You kind of mentioned how different drugs act at different altitudes, but um, what are some other differences between aviation medicine and regular medicine? Yeah, I mean, that's it. Uh, altitude, uh, being in different environments, just knowing at different altitudes, certain medications for nausea uh, work better for vibrations per se when you're up in the air. Certain medicines will help sedate patients better than others. And a lot of painful step one physics and whatnot, knowing how to manage events at different altitudes plays is in play as well. So in addition to being a flight surgeon, you're also an emergency room physician, correct? So what led you to pursue emergency medicine after residency? I am. So like I said, kind of had an itch for it before while I was in medical school, really enjoyed my time doing it. Right now it pays very well. It's a flexible position. Uh, typically it's shift work. So you're working unfortunately weekends and nights, but typically the demand isn't, you don't work that much, maybe 12 shifts a month. It's typically on average what you'll work, but having the flexibility to have a lot more off time, there's a lot of procedures, especially in an acute setting, which you can do in an ER room that you obviously can't do in a clinic or an urgent care situation. It really lined up with my goals wanting to do prepared me well for what I'd see on the Army side, vice versa. And then ultimately, like I was saying, my wife was in fellowship training right now. So it would have been kind of hard for me to go set up a practice and not knowing what the next few years holds for me, pick up and move, establish a practice and move again. So again, the flexibility of being able to come in, work, leave, attend these schools like I talked about and really not miss a beat. It's been pretty attractive. Uh, what advice do you have for medical students who are considering applying to family medicine? I think the big thing which your guys' podcast does a great job of is just really opening the, opening the eyes of everybody listening on how many unique opportunities there are within the specialty. Everyone says, you know, uh, jack of all trades, master of none, but family medicine's really jack of all trades and you could be a master of whatever you want to be. I've met a lot of very close friends within ACFP, some of which have tailored their practice to just urgent care. Some are doing specifically women's health and taking care of newborns. Uh, and then on the other end of the spectrum, we have people working solely as hospitalists in the clinic, you name it. So just knowing that there's uh, a lot of opportunities, which in medicine and beyond uh, in administrative world and whatnot. So just knowing, keeping an open mind into it. So based off of the unique interests that you had, how did you filter out and choose what residency programs you wanted to apply to? I think that's a million dollar question for everybody applying to residency, right? They're all, I mean, every program, it's all apples and oranges. They have to kind of be accredited by the same accrediting institution and you have to hold the same standard across the board. But 
with that said, everyone has different interests, uh, want to live in certain geographic locations. Some people might have want to be close to family. So for me specifically, um, I actually met my residency coordinator and program director when I was a first year med student at uh, attending like you guys at ADCOFP annual convention, kept in touch, honestly had no idea where Oklahoma or Tulsa or anything Oklahoma State was, but uh, went out there, fell in love with the faculty, with the residents I'd be with. They did a very good job of tailoring, tailoring the curriculum to personal interests. And for me and my wife both, we really wanted to go to an osteopathically strong state. So Oklahoma, uh, Pennsylvania, Florida, there are certain things for us which we valued. So that's kind of how we narrowed it down. Do you have any good tips for maintaining a work-life balance in your life? I think the biggest thing, I've said it about a million times this episode is flexibility, uh, being able to adapt. It's hard, as you guys know, as third and fourth year students, then if any residents are listening to this too, our schedules change month to month. So right around week three or four, you get the roll of things and then you flip to a new schedule, new attending, kind of new way of living. So nothing's perfect, but I think I've been more cognizant of planning ahead, trying to pick off weekends. I know I have free coordinating with friends ahead of time to kind of maximize the feels like little time we have off together make it worth it do you have any other final thoughts for our student listeners today i think the big things just encouraging you guys to get involved uh there obviously has to be a certain level of interest for you guys to be listening to a podcast which is well done like this but specifically the ACFP has a lot of resources, opportunities, mentors out there who are really willing to go above and beyond to take care of you uh, as a student, as a resident and beyond. So like I said, I met my now residency director and everybody at a conference when we auditioned, we met a lot of attending physicians, which, you know, hosted us over to stay with them for certain portions of rotations or fed us when we were out of town and didn't have any family. So biggest things, just stay involved. Our organization's small enough, but close-knit enough as well to, if you ever need anything, it's easy to find someone. If you aren't close, someone who's willing to help close enough to help you get the job done. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Crow, for taking the time to share your experiences and all your advice as a family med physician with us. Um, it's been a pleasure to have you on our podcast. Thank you to our listeners. Please join us again next month for another exciting episode. The ACUFP Student Podcast is a production of the American College of Osteopathic Family Physicians. To learn more about ACUFP, please visit www acofp.org. Looking for more resources on OMT? 
visit ACOFP's OM Teaching at www.acofpomteaching.com and ask your institution if they subscribe so you can have access to over 150 OMT videos and support materials.